And I've done so much of the not saying anything and sort of protecting the peace by not saying anything. Like I'm striving to be willing to be more messy and to get in touch more with my needs and say them and then deal with the messiness of how that was received or what the impact was. But it's hard. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to episode 20 of The Art of We. We are going to be talking about complaining and the impact of complaining inside of a couple or business partnership or really any kind of relationship that's really one of our primary relationships or important relationships. So I'm excited about this episode. Before we get in there, Will and I wanted to share with you that we decided to create a resource for all of you who are interested in learning at another level the kinds of things that Will and I are into that help us stay optimized, connected, on mission, and as healthy as we can be. We figured we can't do it enough during the podcast, so we're creating a newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter, and inside of the newsletter, you can get some of the behind-the-scenes things that we use to do all the things I just mentioned. You can go to kristavanderveer.com to find that newsletter. All right. Hi, my love. Hello. I'm so excited about this episode with you. Same here. This is a fun topic. Yeah. So complaining, super sexy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've both had journeys around complaining. And I feel like at this point, you and I have really have done a great job to learn how to work with each other around complaining. And as I was preparing for this episode, it's like, man, like Will really does not complain that much. It's really extraordinary. We'll get more to what we do to create the health and well-being of our non-complaining situations. Not that we don't ever complain. We'll share more about how we do that. But first, I think it'd be really helpful to kind of walk through what is the impact of complaining when we do complain or in other relationships that there's been complaining. Yeah, that sounds great. I maybe want to just start thinking about when I was a younger person, I complained a lot more than I do now. And I think that it's probably generally true that on the arc of maturity and progression into adulthood in terms of actual maturity and not just years, we're probably going to see a shift in our relationship with complaining. You know, and I'm just you having me think about this, like... We were talking about someone older that we know and how maybe, I mean, it could either be like you're getting, you're less complaining, you're complaining less as you get older, or you're getting more stuck in your way and you're complaining more as you get older. Right. I mean, either case could be the case. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could just be my judgmental mind that I tend to label people who complain a lot as less mature. It could just be that what they're up to in relationships a lot different from what we're up to in relationship. True. 
I think if you're trying to get somewhere in your personal development and your growth in relationship, you're going to sooner or later have to look at the way you complain and what it means and how it serves you and how it's not serving you. And the impact on the people or person around you that like for us, you know, being both business partners and married, there's a huge impact if one of us is stuck in some sort of complaint mode it impacts pretty much everything, I would say. Absolutely. And when you're working with people on a team at work and you have a person who comes to you with complaining as opposed to coming with a problem that they're trying to solve and maybe they've tried a couple of different approaches to solve it or maybe not, but they're coming for coaching and input on how to take care of it. It's a completely different experience for everybody. Right. I would put myself in the camp of I have a really easy time at seeing possible breakdowns or what might go wrong or the problems that might happen. But I know that when I'm leading with, oh no, here are all the things that are going to happen versus leading with solutions or thought partnering with you about how to keep these things from happening, it's a totally different game that we're in. That's an interesting perspective. It sounds like you're saying that the anticipatory anxious thoughts about a challenge that you're going to face are sort of pre-complaining thoughts. Yeah. And I could also put it as like, it's one of my gifts that I can see where breakdowns might happen. But if I'm coming from the anxious place versus the, okay, let's find solutions place, then it's a totally different impact. Definitely. I can relate. Yeah. So I would say that you're in my relationship. We do pretty good with complaining. But you said earlier on you used to compl- complain a lot. Are there Were there times in your life, in particular relationships, where you felt like you were complaining more? Or what happened inside of those relationships as a result of that? Or maybe your partner was complaining more? Well, I remember in a previous long-term relationship when I was married for 20 years before we met, complaining a lot about my partner and ultimately going to a couple therapist, you know, kind of dragging her to a couple therapist. And the therapist said to me that he had at some point in the past decided that he would not complain for a year and that he learned a lot about himself from that practice. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting choice to make. And I didn't take a strict vow, you know, not to complain anymore, but I started looking at why am I complaining? And at that time, I wasn't really thinking about the impact on other people, to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest. I was really just thinking about how is this disempowering to me to stay in a place of complaint? And specifically, you're talking about complaining about your partner to other people. Um, yeah, complaining to other people, complaining to her, complaining inside my head all day about Mm -hmm. the way she was with me. So one of the early insights was, wait a second, I, I'm not engaging a plan to make this better or Mm -hmm. to find a solution. Right. And what was the impact do you think on the relationship? Oh, it was very negative. I mean, she told me about that you know, that it didn't feel good, wasn't Mm -hmm. inviting for more connection. Right. Yeah. 
I would say in my previous partnership, you know, there was more of a a feeling of when he would have a complaint about something, whether it was in the world, about the world, about me or something in some form, he was very positional, meaning like it wasn't like he was influenceable. And if I didn't join him in his complaint or agree with him, then I felt like I was made wrong or I was the wrong person in the relationship. And it became a very uncomfortable situation where there was certain topics that I would not go into with him because it would become more of a rupture and a fight and we couldn't find connection and alignment. And so there were certain topics that we wouldn't touch or even there were certain social situations that I wouldn't feel comfortable in because I'd be afraid of what other people are thinking about his complaints or his positionality around these things that he would be talking about. So I can relate with your partner of just not feeling more open, not feeling more available for connection, not feeling safe and even like wanting to bring my care and love or knowing how to bring my care and love to situations like that. Was that a um, explicit agreement with your partner that you would choose to not talk about certain topics or go to certain social settings together? Or was it just like? No, it was implicit mm-hmm. and probably more on my side because I don't, you know, at the time we didn't have the skills and tools to break through some of these very rigid challenges that we had. So I would just decide in my own mind, like we're not, I'm not going to go down that conversation or have that conversation with him. It was a very solo, I was in a solo decision-making process around that. Hmm. It sounds really painful. Yeah. I grew up with a father who also had a, my way or the highway attitude about you couldn't ever challenge his position on anything or you became part of the enemy. And Mm -hmm. I remember door slamming and cars peeling out of the driveway when me or my sister or my mom challenged my dad in any way at all. It was just like, forget it. I'm out of here. That sounds really hard too. It's a similar similar vibe of like, there's no way in, right? Right. And I think that there's there's a lot of opportunity with complaining. Like you and I have talked a lot about the different nuances about complaining. Like it sounds like your dad and my previous partner were very positional about certain things that they complained about. And then there's, you know, there's complaining that's like venting to just vent out frustration or anger. And sometimes I know with with me and you, like if I if I really want to be known by you and get to a different state, I'm like, I need you to just hear me out, you know, and I need Mm -hmm. to like complain and vent and, and then I can get to a place where I can take ownership and responsibility. I think there's like a whole spectrum of like positional to like, I'm in a growth mindset here. And there's a whole spectrum of, of those types of different places that we're coming from. Absolutely. And I think within the agreements, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but inside of our agreements as a couple, I can bring a lot more generosity in my listening and more abundant receptivity, at least on a good day, for the phase of complaining that Mm. you might need to go through in order to get to a deeper insight or, or come up with a plan for how to address the challenge. Yeah. I've been schooled there too. I mean, I've had girlfriends who are like, you're not hearing me. I'm not being known. I'm not feeling you. Like, don't stop jumping to solution, you know, or stop jumping. So I can feel your contraction to my reactivity in this moment. It's not helping at all. And yeah. 
I wonder if you're willing to share an example of where I'm still complaining to you and impacting you with my complaining. <laughs> well, you rarely complain. Like I feel like you're more on this on the side of like, hey, I'm in a certain state and I I want to work this through to figure out how to get more clarity and feel a different kind of relationship with this issue. So you hardly complain in my experience, but there is the thing around bedtime where I have a longer process than you to get ready for bed. And I wash my face and I put on lotion and I put things away and I brush our fur baby's teeth and I put the house alarm on and I am checking the doors and maybe I'm putting away some dishes or some clothes. And just as a way to prepare for bed, it's almost like I feel more comfortable that I can fall asleep if I know all these things are taken care of. And you're probably about like you take like maybe a third or a quarter of the time that I take to get ready. And so you're already in bed and I can feel you energetically like pulling me into bed. Like you want me to come into bed or sometimes I'll hear you say something like, are you coming to bed? You know, or something like that's kind of a complaint. That's probably where I feel you complain the most in these days right now, which I'm very grateful for. Thanks for sharing the impact of my bedtime invitations for you to come to bed. I'm sad that the, uh, the impact is, is negative. It sounds like, um, we need to talk about this a little bit. Are you up for that? Yeah, definitely. Is there more about the impact that you want to share? Well, when I think that there's like kind of a, there's not a request there. Like when I hear you say, are, are you coming to bed? It's kind of like, well, of course I'm coming to bed, but there's not a, request. And I believe that under every complaint, there's actually a request. You know, if we come, become more conscious to why we're complaining, usually we're in need of something or we want something to change. Or in this case with you, like you want me to get to bed sooner. Well, I think the impact is that I feel hurried. I feel in more of a hurry anyway. And then I'm trying to not create a rupture with you. And so I'm trying to speed up and then I'm not, you know, relaxed. And then when I'm going to bed, there's a little bit more of a higher cortisol running through my system. And I think it's harder for me to get to sleep. And I feel less like of my physical and emotional state open to you. I feel more contracted and kind of like not super excited to connect deeply with you because I'm already feeling this pressure. Hmm. I mean, in the, in, the, in the long run, this is like a very minor thing. Like I would take this kind of complaint over the kinds of complaints that I hear a lot of couples are experiencing with each other. And so well, I'm glad to hear. Thank you for sharing that. I feel the intention to hold us to an early bedtime and to keep our commitment that we made this year to prioritize regulation and have mm -hmm. the experience of feeling refreshed and renewed in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I really get that. I totally get that. Yeah. But there's another piece here that haven't hasn't been talked about, which is that I do fall asleep very quickly once I get in bed and I really enjoy snuggling with you and reading with you. And if I get in bed before you do, it's like having a timer on my phone of three minutes that's counting down. Cause I know my aura ring says I'm asleep in three minutes typically. Yeah, you fall asleep very fast. <laughs> and well, the other thing that's coming to light here is that I'm not helping you with 
the routines that help you feel ready to relax and go to sleep. And I can definitely do more to sort of equilibrate how much time it takes for us to get our home and our fur baby and all the things together. Like I, I can't, I probably wouldn't brush your teeth, but I could probably brush his teeth sometimes, <laughs> or I could at least make sure the doors are locked and the house alarm is on, you know? Right. And there's another thing too of like, if you know you fall asleep in three minutes and you want to stay awake, then maybe you don't go to, you don't lay down until I down with you. <laughs> yeah, that's practical. But also taking ownership over here, like we could do a better job. I could do a better job of recognizing, okay, Wills has 15 minutes of whatever you're doing at nighttime, like having a snack or, you know, the, thing, the things that you get into, I could be more diligent in getting to the bathroom earlier and, and starting my routine earlier. So. Well, we might have to report back to the audience about how this went. <laughs> So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how we hold and handle complaints inside of our marriage and what our agreements are around that. So hopefully that if you are dealing with complaining in your relationship, that some of these tools can be helpful in addressing them. We'll see you in a minute. Maybe we could start out by talking about, on the flip side, how you work with me when I'm in complaining. Great. So what happens for you is a way to express how we do, how we work with complaining. What happens for you, Will, when I'm in some sort of state that you're experiencing that I'm complaining? Well, I think it would be good to start with how the imprints from my childhood impacted how I came into our partnership around complaining. I had a lot of experience with a mom who complained a lot and could never seem to really get her footing around empowerment and dealing with challenges in a more proactive and growth-oriented perspective. So I have this tendency to go too fast. And you mentioned this earlier of when we don't take the time to allow someone to really get into it and talk about what the thing is they're dealing with, there can be almost like an aggressive movement toward, okay, let's solve this problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we started dating and getting into our relationship, pretty quickly we started talking about how are we gonna handle complaining. And within the agreements that we have, and we can talk about some of the detail of it, the agreements help me relax that I'm not going to have another experience of my mom where that was, it felt very toxic and yucky to be, receiving a lot of complaining without any agreement about how to move forward. Yeah. Talking about my childhood. Yeah. yeah. So I love that we can receive each other in complaining in, in the trust that we're going to use that period of exploration really to develop a plan, you know, but there is a, there is a cycle and a timing of that. Right. So the agreement with you and I is that we're going to see whatever ch the challenge is as an opportunity right. to grow, to become more empowered in some form, and to thought partner to support each other to get through that. Exactly. Do you want to use an example of something that has come up between us that represents kind of the situation with your mom? 
Well, some years ago, we had uh, someone helping us, an assistant who used to complain about some of the ways that they behaved. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, well, how are we going to move forward? Are we going to give this person feedback and invite them to change and see if they can assimilate that? Or are we going to let them go and look for a different person for the position? Or And I remember, and this was early on in our relationship, feeling like, uh-oh, are we getting stuck here? And feeling like we're hostage to someone performing in ways in their role with us that really doesn't feel good to you. And how are we going to move forward into feeling great about the kind of support that we have? Right. And this is good. This is really a good conversation because, you know, this can come up a lot with employees. It can come up with business partners. You know, for those of you who are listening, it can come up with friends. You know, you and I recently had something around, you know, on each side, like complaints that we had about a friend and how are we going to, how are we going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Um, And in that particular situation, I think that what would have helped was getting deeper into the content of my complaints. So the context was, was that I am a a huge advocate for women and their authentic expression and becoming more of who they are. And I was running a program at the time for women specifically to be more expressed. And this particular person, you know, I felt a lot of sensitivity. She was a woman about saying to another woman, like, Hey, I need you to like pare it down a little bit around your expression. And so I think we had the the skills and the tools and the agreement that we have now. Back then, I think that we would have gotten into a different conversation of like, okay, how to really honor my experience around this thing with women and this person and how to approach it in a way that felt really good to us. And I think that, you know, with the agreements and the skills that we have in place now, we're really good at doing that when it comes in up in other situations. But maybe you don't agree with that. I don't know. Well, I'd like to dig in just for a minute or two into this situation because it's. I think it's really juicy. So it sounds like where you were coming from with her was that you didn't want to be out of sync with what your messaging is for women about expression and really encouraging their the fullness of their expression. Yeah. And you didn't want to feel like a fraud or like some kind of, you know, one message to the public and a different message behind closed doors. Yeah. And more than just feeling like a fraud, I didn't, it felt out of alignment. And maybe that's what you mean. Like it didn't feel okay for me to say to this woman in our home, I need, here are the things I need. And those happen to equate to on some level your expression. That felt hard for me. Right. So in my world, it would be like if someone working for our company showed up in a very disruptive or misaligned way for the responsibilities that they have. And if my position is, well, look, I want to stand for the empowerment of women, so I can't give this person feedback about how they're performing in their role, then it makes sense that I would complain because I feel stuck. Like, I think that's, it's such an interesting dynamic, right? That we, we get stuck and we complain because we can't figure out how to address a situation that we feel disempowered in. Right. 
Right. And I do believe because of the experience between you and I and the experience that we have with other people is if we can actually get in there, we use our skills of really listening generously, really understanding where the person feels disempowered in having that conversation, that we can actually really find a pathway through with the listening generously, the supporting each other, the agreement of seeing the opportunity or the challenge as an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And it it's interesting because it kind of puts us in contact with this core question I think we have as human beings of, do I get to have needs? Do I get to express what I want? What is the impact of me expressing my needs on the other person? Am I willing to express those needs, bearing in mind that there might be impact that I now have to deal with later? Totally. Or do I not say anything? Right. It's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And I've done so much of the not saying anything and sort of protecting the peace by not saying anything. Like I'm striving to be willing to be more messy and to get in touch more with my needs and say them and then deal with the messiness of how that was received or what the impact was. But it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Totally. I would prefer the complaint over the not saying anything because not saying anything right. doesn't give us an opportunity to work through it together. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say there's benefit to the complaint if both partners have the agreement and the willingness to look together to how to resolve the complaint versus one person just complaining and they're not taking responsibility for the impact and they're not taking responsibility for seeing the opportunity. And then, you know, then it becomes a very exciting tool, complaint, to discover and uncover what's actually underneath the complaint. What What is the request that's happening? I need help. I actually really need you to come to bed earlier. I need us to do this differently. Absolutely. I mean, the hidden value of complaining. I think we, unco <laughs> totally. we uncovered it here. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say one thing about when there's a person who has the gift of seeing all of the problems or possible breakdowns and the challenge of when that starts to be the habit of how they look through life and they start to get into a groove or a mindset that is negatively biased. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how they are living their lives and not understanding the impact, not understanding even that maybe they're disempowered in some form and the kind of impact that that has on their partnerships. I'm curious what advice you would give to somebody who's dealing with a partner who is habitually coming from that space and has a really hard time seeing it? Well, I think I would take a page out of your playbook, which is to in, invite the complaining party into the conversation about, are they open to hearing about the impact of the negativity and the complaining? Mm. And, you know, to, to make that invitation in the most generous and, and kind way, which I've really learned a lot from you about how to do that because obviously if the person becomes defensive about their complaining or their negativity, then there isn't a whole lot that can get done there. Yeah. It's, it is very much about the approach and getting permission up front to actually have a conversation about it. But if the person who complains is more narcissistic like me, they care more about personal growth sometimes than they care about the impact on their, part, on their partner, <laughs> then to appeal to them and their own values, I think is 
also a really powerful way to communicate with someone. For example, I would say to you, hey, listen, like, I feel like there's an opportunity for a leadership move here for you. Right. Like, how's that working for you? To It's kind of a tough love kind of message. It, maybe some people might hear it that <laughs> way. But if you say to me, like, you know, how's right. it working for you to be in a hellhole of uh, victim mentality? How's that working for you? Mm-hmm. It would, it's just like mm-hmm. having uh, somebody put smelling salts under my nose. <laughs> it's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And for me, when I hear that, what kind of impact am I having on somebody that's not neutral or positive, and they share with me, hey, you're having, this is the kind of impact that I'm having, and I can hear that impact, then that's actually, for me, what actually has me right. want to change. So I think it is important, like you're saying, to know what are your partner's values, what's important to them, and speak to those values that would help them see something new about themselves. Right. If you can help the person identify inside their own value system that they're misaligned with their own highest values, then they're going to be more motivated to live into a new possibility as opposed to being invited into someone else's values. Right. Totally. So if you're listening and you happen to have a partner that you feel complains quite a bit and maybe they can't see it or the two of you get stuck inside of complaints with each other and you don't feel like you're really making a lot of forward progress with it, maybe you want to share this episode with them just to help them see other opportunities. And one way that you could present that to them is just say, hey, you know, like I found this podcast episode of these two people who talk about complaining. I feel like there's opportunity there for us. Would you be willing to listen? Because I think that we could have a different relationship with complaining inside of our relationship. Can be a good uh, jumping off point for an interesting conversation. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Anything left for you, Will? I have some complaints, but I'll hold them inside for now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe we'll talk about them after this show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We Podcast.